you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest, Liana Ling. She's from PowerUpStrategy.com. We're going to get into a lot of different things to help you with marketing, uh, to help you with sales, and really talk about the the technology we use in that, but also just the strategies and how to wrap our heads around what's working today and how to stay sane in the chaos of overwhelm that many online entrepreneurs feel. Uh, but first, Liana, welcome to the call. It's great to be here. I'm really excited. Tell us uh, first what PowerUpStrategy.com is in a nutshell, and then I want to jump into your story a little bit. Yeah. Well, what we do is we like to empower business owners to get as many clients or customers as their heart desires. That's awesome. I love that vision. Um, you weren't always in lead generation and sales and MarTech. You started as a lawyer, as a professional. How'd you end up over here? Yes, well, I, I did. And uh, I actually worked as a litigation corporate lawyer for about 10 years. And what ended up happening was I was restructured. And after that happened, I realized that all along, I was actually a frustrated entrepreneur. And I also realized, which you may and maybe some of your listeners can relate to, is I'm actually a really bad employee. <laughs> <laughs> because what makes you unemployable? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I it took me a while to figure that out and to admit it and to realize, you know, this is where I belong. This is my tribe. These are my people, right? I'm an entrepreneur. I, I want to run my own show here. And that's what I that's what I do best. Yeah. So I, I just went full on into there. I actually went and I didn't know anything about Mark. I, all I knew was what I was trained to do from going to university and law school and kind of working, you know, doing the rat race. And yeah, I went from there into being a full-time entrepreneur in digital marketing where I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about sales. I didn't know any of that to fast forward to today being known as like an ads expert and sales expert and being having spoken at ads world and some other big, you know, platforms. It's, it's sort of surreal to me if I look back at where I was and where I am today. That's awesome. Um, one of the challenges in, for education entrepreneurs, I call them, is that they have to wear many hats. Uh, there's the five hats. It's really the reason why we have this podcast. You know, I have a technology company, which is one of the hats, but then you got to be an entrepreneur, you got to be a teacher, you got to be a community builder, you have to be an expert at all these things, uh, an expert in the topic area and stuff. So there's like, so people are so busy. Um, I know one of your specialties is in omni-channel marketing, which once we kind of start creating content or getting out there on social, we want to be everywhere. But I also see a lot of people just explode with like, either not doing it strategically or getting frustrated or just feeling completely overwhelmed. How do we do uh, omni-channel marketing in 2021 and beyond for our education companies? Yeah, it's the struggle is real, absolutely, especially if you're on your own. I, I do understand that. Um, I'm really, really big on repurposing. So 
if I can create something once and then use it a hundred times, I'll take that all day long. (laughs) So I think that one of the keys to, you know, quote unquote, being everywhere, but not being everywhere is to do it intentionally. And then also to maximize everything that you have. I find that as, and maybe you find this too, maybe with a software company that we just tend not to make the most out of things that we buy, whether it's courses or software. I'm sure that there are many people who have Lifter and LMS and they aren't using to its full potential, like all the features and stuff that could actually help them. Right. Mm -hmm. So I find that when we dig deep and see what can we use and how can we be creative to have an omni-channel strategy when we're one person, because we don't have a team yet, you know, to make it easier on us, we could actually accomplish a lot more. So I'll give you an example, right? Say, for example, you have a podcast like this one, you could take the podcast and uh, take the transcript turn it into a blog, take the transcript and summarize it. Now you've got show notes, take portions of the podcast and you can make them into short video and short. I love short video, short that. And I'm talking like 15 seconds. Okay. You can put that on Facebook reels, Instagram reels, TikTok, Pinterest. Um, you can take the full video, right. And put it on your YouTube channel, put it on LinkedIn, put it on, yeah, you know, Facebook. And, and the thing is you can also use software to, you know, push these out to schedule it ahead of time. So again, you don't always have to be on every single device. And and so I I really challenge people to think, how can I just take this one thing that I've created and what can I use to repurpose it? And then you can also like, that's only just the video part, right? You could, you could take quotes and sound bites and make image images with the quotes on it. Um, you know, and then, and then have those all over the place. And then you can, and then you can cycle through things. So people feel like it's fresh, you know, by taking little bits and pieces and uh, you know, and I've even known people who've actually done commentaries on their past podcast, podcast episodes to, you know, to kind of make more of it. You can make reaction videos. Like these are all these things just from this one video that you've done. And and so I, I challenge people to think how creatively can you do this in an efficient way, because I guarantee you, most people still aren't doing that. So by just doing some of that, even I know it sounds like a big list, but if, if you start, just start with maybe three things, like what can I, how can I take this one podcast or this one thing I created and repurpose it into three things? And then maybe next week, how can I do it to five and then eight and then 10, et cetera. And, and then you'll start to realize like, it's a lot easier than you think. And, and then that's how people start to see you everywhere. And this is before you even put any ad spend behind anything. That's awesome. I heard uh, someone say once that we get bored of our marketing before our market ever does. And I think that's what holds people back from repurposing is they feel like it's old news. It's done. I already said that. But like you said, there's there's different form factors in terms of length or different channels and you're exposing it to new people. So don't get sure. Well, for example, what's your favorite movie? Uh, geez, I have a lot, but I don't know. I, I What's your all-time I kinda, favorite? I, I like The Matrix. is pretty cool. I How guess. many times have you seen it? Uh, many times. <laughs> Do you get bored of it every time? Not really. You know what happens, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think it's the same thing with our marketing. If it's, you know, we're just trying to make ourselves a little bit more interesting sometimes. Um, but if it's good and it's helpful, I, I don't think people mind seeing it, you know? And then I think 
that there's also ways that you can make it feel fresh by maybe putting a different style on it. Like, for example, if you take a look at, uh, you know, BTS, if you notice when they put out songs, they have like the, re- the, the regular song, then they've got like the R&B version and then this other version, this other version. And they're always doing different videos where they're in different costumes and different themes. It's the same song right? It's just a different styles. And I, I think that's what we can do with our content. And essentially that's what we're doing with repurposing. You're just giving a different clothes, a different theme and, and people, it feels fresh to people and it still feels entertaining. I think, even though it's the same message, which they probably need to hear anyway. That's awesome. If, you know, a busy course creator is trying to come up with content, like they're kind of new to this marketing thing and they feel like they've just put everything into the course or the coaching program or the membership site. If we were going to even just create like five strategic pieces of content and really focusing on just repurposing those, how do we pick what five, how do we think about content if we're not trying to become a professional forever YouTuber, blogger, podcaster kind of thing? How do we pick what to make for marketing specifically? That's a really good question. Uh, I would have you take a look at, like, let's take a look at your course, for example. And what I would ask people to do is I want you to think, what do people need to know and believe before they're ready to make a decision to take your course, before looking at your course, thinking, yes, I need this in my life and I need it now. They must, they need to have some set of beliefs. They probably need to have some type of knowledge uh, in place because a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. We're walking around and we didn't know we had this problem, right? And uh, I think what you need to do is think about what what are those core beliefs? What, what's that knowledge base that they need? So when they come to your course, they think, yes, this is like, I now I know I have this problem and this is a solution for me. Your con, your, those five pieces of content should be directed to getting people to that point. I like to call it pre-framing. I think a lot of people use that term as well. What can you do to pre-frame them? What can you do to change their minds, to give them that knowledge, to bring that awareness to them? And how can you do that with those five pieces of content? Um, and it depends on uh, the creator. I think it, it, you need to also go to your strengths. If you're a storyteller, I know some people who are amazing storytellers and that's all they can do. So you know what? Lean into that. All your content, it should be five stories. What are the five stories that you can tell that bring people to that point? Maybe you're a singer. Maybe you're a dancer. Maybe maybe you're like more me where I just do more educational content because I don't sing dance, <laughs> those types of things. But you know, what can you do to teach people and change their frame of mind there? And I think also what that helps to do too is you, you take your five pieces of content. And by the way, I like to test with ads just because it's faster and I can find out if the content is good or not and it's doing its job. But if you measure it against that, then you'll also know what you need to do to change and why something isn't working. Um, and, and I think just as a bonus to that, what I would recommend is one of those pieces of content definitely be a case study um, because I've just gotten so much mileage out of one really good case study, uh, you know, because number one, it shows results and it shows your approach. So you look organized, you look like, you know, you have your act together, you have something to share and, and it works. And people are still interested in seeing case studies. Some of them are disguised as stories. Some of them are disguised as webinars, but like, I just, I just find that that is, is a, if you have to start somewhere, I would really start with a case study. That's awesome. 
And the case study really focuses on like results and people can resonate with like, oh, I'm like that person. I had that same problem too. And they fixed it through through this. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned Facebook ads as a way to, or just ads to test uh, content. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, what's your take on when are ads appropriate? Because I, I kind of hear two arguments. Like one is that you should start with ads right away. Another is that ads are more of a scaling strategy after you figure out what's working, but you're kind of saying use it together to figure, help figure out what's working. So like, especially with a limited budget type person or company or organization, how, sh- how should they think about the sequencing of content versus ads? Sure. So if you have the budget, definitely use ads to supplement your testing and your discovery and things like that, of course, because you have the luxury to do that. Uh, if you have a limited budget, and, and again, this depends, um, if you're good at organic, then you can leverage the organic traffic that you do. I have a friend who's just really, really good at short video, and she can get you know a lot of attention on TikTok, for example, as a platform. She does not have to run ads to test things out because she can just go to her audience. So Part of this is it depends, right? If you have an organic audience and you're really good, and some people are just really, really good at this on different platforms, lean into that and uh, try and see if you can sell uh, your membership or your coaching that way. I would not, if you have a limited budget, I would not move to ads until you have like a proven funnel, meaning like you've sold some things through your funnel. The reason is that when you move from uh, into advertising, like paid ads, it's always harder than people think. It's always way harder than people think. And it always takes longer and it always costs more. So you want to make sure, number one, you have something running that is bringing in some money that you know is working and you can keep that going while you expand into ads. Um, and, and then the other thing too is you also have something that you know is actually working. And so you have that as your base because you're going to have to adjust it when you go to advertising. So that's the ideal world. Um, I do, with that said, <laughs> I do sometimes use Facebook with a small budget. Like you can even use like $100 a day or something just to quickly test some, some concepts out. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll just run very, very limited traffic ads to images with text on it to test different headlines, to test different um, concepts. It's not scientific, but it just gives me an idea of what people would raise their hands um, for. So that helps me a little bit, but that's just because I am just naturally, I struggle with organic. Like it's just not my gift. So I don't have 200,000 people, for example, following me on TikTok that I can, you know, uh, test something out with. So that, that's how, what, that's what I would do if I had a very, very limited budget in order to test things. Um, but you know, if, if you have to like just hustle and, uh, you know, do everything organically, talk to people, talk to friends, get them to help you, you know, spread the word to say, like, you're trying to launch something, you have a beta group, you know, you just, you just, just push it out there so that you can quickly get as much data as you can to see how it's going to work. And, and I think it's just a matter of how resourceful you need to be, or if you can just rely on, you know, paid advertising to do that for you. Based on your experience with like Facebook ads, as an example, or is it, you mentioned numbers like a hundred dollars uh, for a test. Is there a certain price point that the, the actual service or their coaching or the product course needs to be at for it to even put Facebook on the table as an example. Yeah. And then like, what's, I know it's, there's a lot of it depends, but like if somebody's really going to try ads, like what's a, 
what's a reasonable budget to at least give it a go with some odds of success? Yeah. So yeah, the testing, the little sprint tests that I do, which are like a hundred dollars each, that's just something that's very, to me, that's just a little blip. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I kind of set that aside there. I would just put that in another bucket totally just for testing. Um, that's a great question. And it, <laughs> you know, it, it, and I hate to be the one to always say it depends because yeah. I know it makes me sound like a lawyer, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, part of it also depends on how fast you want results yeah. because to, you know, I, I like to tell it like it is. And the thing is, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to put some budget in, yeah, it's going to take a while. Eventually you'll get results. It's just, if you want to get results quicker, you got to spend more to get it. And sometimes that opportunity cost is worth it to spend more just to kind of get there. Um, So first of all, let's talk about the price point. Uh, I find that on Facebook, it, it does tend to work better if you are getting, you know, get, get freebies, like build up your audience and then get them on the back end, meaning you're selling to them through your emails. Even if you have people in a Facebook group that are very engaged, I would make sure I still have them on my email list, on an SMS list where you're doing marketing or something to them where you're selling to them on the back end, like through the emails and all like a ton, a ton, a ton of follow-up uh, that way. And, and good for, like nurturing and, you know, all that good stuff when you're doing follow-up. Uh, those are the the most resilient and most sustainable type of funnels that I've worked with where we put traffic on the front end and putting it through. And that's for a variety of different price points, Uh, you know, $27 all the way up to selling high ticket offers, like a $2,000 product or a a $20,000 product. But the difference is that when you have a very high end ticket offer, you know, once somebody opts in from your ad, you're sending them through a sometimes many, many other different things, right? Before they even get to that $10,000 or $20,000 offer. So is that, Uh, just to clarify, is that a mistake people make sometimes is they try to scale and target and send people right to a sales page versus put them into a more multidimensional top of the funnel kind of system? Yes. Yeah. I I like how you call it multidimensional. Yes. Because ads will not solve anything you have. Ads will just amplify what's good and ads will amplify what's bad as well. And you have to remember that Facebook and these other platforms, they're, they're social platforms. So what is like, when you hang out with your friends, like when they first come up to you, are they saying, Hey, buy my, this, buy my, that no, you're just hanging out. Right. It's the same thing on social media and with social ads, because we're in a social platform. So it's all about making friends and asking those friends if they'll buy something from you, quite frankly. And if you think of it that way, I, I think that you would realize why you would not send somebody directly to a sales page. Of course, there's exceptions and there's always exceptions to the rule. And there's always that one person says, well, I did this and I made you know, $5,000 doing that. Okay, great. But that's, that's usually the exception to the rule. And I bet if you dug deeper, that person usually had done it already on organic. So they knew what to do. They knew it was going to work. You know, They knew exactly who to target. And that to me is a lot more rare. Uh, so the rest of us have to kind of do it the more traditional way <laughs> where we have to, you know, you keep testing and testing and testing. Um, that said, like I would recommend that, you know, I, I personally would start off with 25 to hundred dollars a day if I could, you know, in order to really starting to be able to have more than one campaign, even if it's like a tiny little value campaign and then getting offers, um, that, that I personally started that off, even just, uh, as a side project, trying to launch my own course, for example. Um, but I would start with that and then it gets your feet wet and then you can 
you can start to see how fast you want to be able to scale up from there. Do you have any thoughts on on the which ad system to use, like whether it's Facebook or YouTube ads or um, Google search ads? Like, what are, what are your, what's your take there? Yeah, uh, I I still, despite everything, I do find that Facebook in general is a good place to start. So I tend to use Facebook to open up a funnel. Like if you haven't sold anything or have you sold very little from it, I will tend to start with Facebook. The reason is that I just find that most people cannot create enough video content to do well on YouTube ads. And um, most of the time, Google search can also be very expensive, like especially since I know a lot of the courses are, you know, how to make more money or how to improve your life or how to, you know, they tend to have higher costs associated with it. And I just find Facebook is so good still at finding the people that we need. Um, so, so those are the reasons why, you know, I, I would start from there. Um, and, and if you are going to do that though, I do encourage everybody to create a tiny little brand campaign in Google, which just put it up for $2 a day. And it's just for people searching for your name, you know, so it, because that's probably your low hanging fruit, right? If they're looking for lifter LMS, if they're looking for Chris Badgett, then those people are probably pretty hot prospects, right? So I, I would at least create that as a little Google search cam brand campaign, which again, helps you get your feet wet in Google search as well, just to have that running. Any thoughts on a budget on that? Yeah, just, you know, you can do it for even just like $2 a day if you want to. When you're starting out, probably no, honestly, like probably not many people are going to be searching for you anyway. Yeah. So you might not even be able to spend that much just because with a branded search campaign, you're telling Google, Hey, like spend up to $10 a day, but if two people searched for your name that day, then it's not going to spend that much. Right. Right. So uh, you can make it very, I've done stuff where it's just, I just put it on for $2 a day, just because you never know, you could capture somebody from there. Maybe they saw your webinar and they just, you know, I don't know, like a cat ran over their keyboard and or something like that. And they forgot about it. They remembered your first name, you know, or, Hey, like guy in a blue hat who was selling this. <laughs> so, uh, so at least they can find you a little bit easier. What kind of tips do you have around Facebook ads and targeting? Like find mm. your people and even at a higher level, like understanding your customer avatar and that kind of stuff. But as it flows into spinning on ads. Yeah, it's it changes so much. Um, and maybe by the time this podcast comes out or by the time somebody else is listening to it, this is all going to be wrong because it's changed. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's happening now at this moment that we're recording um, is... Broad tends to work better on Facebook, and I, I don't think we want to go into that's like hours and hours of conversation about why. But you know they're really pushing broader targeting, so you have to know your target market only because I think that the way it's moving is towards like a type of poll marketing rather than push. Meaning like you're you're trying to attract people to. So imagine putting your ad in front of a million people, but out of that crowd, only the people in your tribe, like only the people who are your ideal clients would respond to that ad because of the image that you chose, because of the wording that you chose really spoke to them. And that is what I find is working better is, and sometimes I'll even do zero interest targeting. I'll do like 
all men in, you know, the USA, like this, you know, this age group, uh, because I know that the message is so good. And I know that the image is so good that it, it's going to attract, I let people self-select themselves, right. And I'll attract the right people just because of the wording and just the ideas and the concepts I'm putting in there. And so it kind of makes it easier, but then it does make it harder because you really have to get your creative and your copy and your offer really, really, really dialed in. Well, let's, let's talk about the funnel for a little bit. Um, let's say we were just amplifying the top of the funnel. If somebody like has a course and they're doing marketing, what, what are some things that would be on that customer journey from the top all the way down to the bottom? Paid ads may amplify something and there's an offer at the end, but what's in the middle? Yeah. Um, I would go back to that question. What do people need to know and believe to before they see your course as a solution. And I would just quite simply create some videos uh, of tips or whatever it is that you need to do in that video to take that person on that journey. Um, So it it could be a combination of, maybe you have to do some education, maybe you have to do some mind work with them, but just be authentic and teach that in a video and then put that content out. Um, if you feel more comfortable writing, do it, you know, do it as a blog post or whatever medium you feel most comfortable in. And, excuse me. And if you put out those, say, five pieces, you've got five different angles, hooks, whatever you want to call it. See how that works to put people through. So ideally, I would have that out there. I would put something in the middle that's maybe free or that's you know, the $7 or $2 or just something that is a no brainer for people to buy that kind of bridges it. So once you, once you teach them something in that free video, you've now given them a new challenge or new problem. What can you put out there that will help accelerate uh, and that, that problem, uh, so accelerate the solution to that problem. And can you get them to pull out their wallet? Can you get them to put in their email address, put that in there? So at least they get on your email list so that you can start nurturing them. And again, just remember your North star is this is what I'm trying to convince people of. This is what I'm trying to teach people. This is the mindset I'm trying to get people to change to. And it's everything working to, towards that. Um, and depending what you're selling, you may need several little things in front of your course uh, before they get there because it, it may be progression, right? That you, you may need to have them go through several stages of getting better quality problems before they get to that point where they need your course. What, uh, any advice around call to action or like linking all these things together? Like what does somebody say at the end of the video or at the end of the blog post to like connect all the dots here? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a really good question because it it does change from platform to platform. Um, first of all, I would say just do it as natural as you can, because the more genuine, and I think the more that it sticks within your voice, the better, you know, there's nothing worse than you're reading the end of a an article, and then you can tell, oh, here comes the marketing language, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think don't, I don't, and I don't want people to be stressed out about it. I think do what feels natural. And I know I've done that. I've literally written stuff down and, you know, (laughs) tried to say it out loud. And I said, that sounded really awkward. That was not me. Uh, So, you know, I think, uh, you know, if you just sound to me, I'm much more I'm not as direct as some people. So I might just say, Hey, if, you know, if this sounds like you want to learn more about this, go over here 
or, you know, if you have, if this is a problem for you, or you want to learn more about this, go here, or, or, or hey, like I actually created, uh, you know, 10 templates for you that you can download right now, you know, go over here or check this out over here. Um, some people actually do what's interesting. I think on some social media, some people do, um, they don't have a click, uh, call to action. It's kind of an interesting little thing that you might want to test is put, make sure your content is compelling and interesting enough, but don't put a call to action and leave an open loop so that it sort of forces people to comment. Like, so sometimes, for example, I'll show tech, like I'll show, um, I'll do like, hey, look at this cool thing. Like it does this. And I'll do a little screenshot and I'll talk about it, but I won't say the name of it because I want people to in the comments say, oh, what was that? What was that? It went by too fast. And then I'll reply to comments. So what the commenting is doing is it's boosting your kind of reputation in the platform because the platform thinks your, your post is popular because people are commenting on it a lot. And then I'm also getting people to take micro commitments by putting in the comments. And then I, I might reply to those comments or I might just say, Hey, like go check my link in bio or, or I might do like a reply video or, or like something like that to answer. Um, but that's another kind of little trick you can sort of try as well. But I, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't have like, this is the one to use every single time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, what what about the the actual tech tools? I get asked a lot of time to like, oh, what do you recommend for email list or this or that? Like, what are some of your favorite marketing technology tools that you use to that would be useful to a education entrepreneur? Sure. Um, I think first thing is is I would and and it's not a direct answer, but I, I would just wanted to caution people to say that there's a ton of tools out there. And what I like to do is just write down your top three things that you want out of it and then measure things against it because I'll tell you what my favorite are. So first of all, I love Slack. I don't yeah. know if you used, okay. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I live in Slack. I love Slack and their paid plan is amazing. Like they have so many amazing things that make it so easy to connect and even have, um, like I even have a paid group inside of Slack and I'm testing that out instead of the Facebook group. How's so, that going by the way? Cause community building is a big part of one of the hats of course creators and like Slack oh is an option, gosh. but Facebook's very different. There's, I don't know. Yeah. What it do you so find? It's so hard, right? Yeah. Uh, I've tried Facebook. I've tried Mighty Networks and I've tried Slack. Yeah. So the Slack group has less frequency, but higher quality, mm -hmm. I, I find, and more in depth. Um, Facebook can be like that, but Facebook definitely has a much higher frequency because people are just literally in it all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's more frequently, like more shallow conversations I find in there, um, and more sort of like drive by comments, right? Like, Hey, that was great. Okay. And then moving on to something, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was in mighty networks for a little bit, but I didn't test it out. I wasn't able to test it out as much just because I had trouble getting people to leave Facebook and go to into mighty it. networks. Yeah. Um, so that again, Slack, a lot of people are in Slack already. That's, I think there's something to it where they have to leave like a Facebook and then they purposely, okay, I'm going into Slack because I know this group is in there and I'm here to work versus I'm playing around on Facebook. Oh, this, you know, crossed my feed. Let me go comment on it really quickly. So it's, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. I just, it, it, you know, I think you need, again, it's that omni-channel thing, right? I think you, you have to have really surround them with everything like communication and why you have to be in there and, uh, you know, and, and, and then build it intentionally that way. Right. 
Um, so it's it it there there's pros and cons to, to each of them. What other marketing tech tools do you like besides Slack? Yeah, besides Slack, yeah, that's yeah. clearly my most favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I like. Let's see what else in terms of marketing um, for email marketing. I I have come to like Active Campaign. I've tried a lot of different ones. I'm an um, Active Campaign I, guy myself. Are you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's. Yeah. It it really has. I used to be an Infusionsoft because I had to. I was in Infusionsoft as well. I switched maybe it. six years ago. There you go. Yeah. It's 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 powerful. Like I love to use the predictive send. It's yeah, and it's easy to use, and the support has been great. Um, and my newest, and I don't maybe maybe I'll get a lot of hate for this. I don't know, but my newest page builder because like, there's so many. But I really really like Convertry as a page builder. It's C-O-N-V-E-R-T-I. And the number one reason first is that it's fast. I've I've built um, like, you know, those really long sales pages. Yeah. So I I tend to be a WordPress person, but those pages would just be like, it would would crash even when we're building it and it's slow and I can never get it sped up. And then a friend of mine said, try Convertry and you can actually import the page into Convertry with just the URL. And it was so much faster. And the other thing I like about it is it's just pure drag and drop. You don't have rows and things like that. So I've also had clients try it who are very um, creative and artistic and they feel more free because they can literally just move stuff around the canvas and then somebody else can come in and make it mobile friendly and add in all the conversion stuff that needs to happen there. Um, so that I only use it for that. I don't use any of the other features. I, I think they have a cart and stuff like that, but I, I like to use Convertry and then I pair it with Thrivecart. So I'll embed Thrivecart into Convertry so it looks pretty. And uh, and then I've got the Thrivecart in the back end, yeah, to do that. And then, of course, you have to have Lifter, right, to have your LMS, you know, kind of put it all together. And then I guess my last, the tool actually also that I can't live without, I use every day is Zapier. Yeah. Because it just, I gave up trying to find something that integrated with everything, even though I've tried them all. I still needed Zapier to get some things done. So to me, it's just been a magical piece of software. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a solid list of of key things. And that's not like 30 things. That's like less than 10 tools. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, any uh, kind of just general communication, kind of like copywriting slash headline, but like how do we speak marketing or create it in a way that's effective, but also authentic in okay. terms of the language? Yeah, I have a good little hack for this. Again, if you're really good at organic, this is why you have the upper hand on this is, uh, you know, yes, there's there's formulas, there's NLP, there's all these things you can learn. But I found just with all the testing in advertising that I've done is using the words of the customers, using the words that your, your community is using is way more powerful than anything that you or your copywriter tends to come up with. Um, the best types of copy are when your customer looks at it and thinks, oh, she's in my head, or she said that better than I could have ever said it, you know? So, you know, I will, um, you know, so I think that you have to go out there, if you have to run a contest, you know, um, pay people for their time, get, interview them, get the actual words they're using and literally use that in your copy. Don't try and, you know, add some marketing flair to it. <laughs> And like literally test it like that, you know, um, 
and and just see how that works versus you creating something. Um, I do like to use AI, by the way. I do play around with AI, like Jarvis.ai and Headline and a couple others to help me write things um, because I don't like to look, I can't work from a blank page type of person. Um, and that helps actually. They they it's the AI is getting so much better at helping us write. But um, you know, it's it's still the best the, I find anyway, the one that just captures people's attentions the most is yeah, the the lang the literally like the language and phrases that they're using. That's awesome. I was working with somebody recently who sucked in to some software uh, all of our um, reviews. And then it made a word cloud of the most common words and the words that were used the most were the biggest. It was just like, it was really insightful. I'm like, wow, I've never thought about oh, that. That's so cool. What was that software? <laughs> I don't know what that software was, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Um, what, what about conversion? I call them conversion tools, like a sales call, webinar, webinar, a demo, a free or paid trial. How does, if we bridge from marketing into sales, how do we close sales and just do it well without our heads exploding? Like what kind of, how do we think about that conversion point and what should we be doing? Sure. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's definitely uh, a struggle and a challenge, especially with course creators. Absolutely. Uh, you know, again, I think it, it depends, also depends on the market. It depends what you're selling as well, I think. So let's just put that as a caveat. And so there isn't any one thing that works. Mm -hmm. Everything works. And then at the same time, everything doesn't work too. <laughs> I'm sure you've tried the, oh, I've tried this entire list and nothing worked, right? Uh, you know, I, I think that the best ones are the ones that have people raise their hand. Again, I, I really think it, it's about this book, you know, the industry calls pull marketing versus push the more you can get people to raise your hand. That's why people, I know it can be kind of annoying, but have you seen those posts on Facebook? And I've done them too, where you just ask people, hey, like I'm thinking about doing this. Are you interested? Can Let me know in the comments. Yeah. Those types of posts. And I know they can be annoying, but you know what? They work because yeah. it gets people to put their hand up and they're taking a micro commitment. Um, so anything where you can get people to make a micro commitment to show some interest and raise their hand, that's going to help you the most. Uh, because then it's about helping them through the journey to get to the sale. Like I, a friend of mine, Richard Matthews told me this and I never forgot it. Cause I thought it was really helpful when we're using what you call the sales tools, like, you know, webinar, opt-in ebook, whatever, what you're actually doing is you're taking people. Uh, it's if you were a guide, taking people through a forest. And when you take them to the webinar and you finish the webinar, you're literally leaving them in the middle of a forest. <laughs> And we don't normally do that, right? When you're a guide, you take them into the forest, see what you have to see, and then you take them back out safely, right? But too many of us just abandon people in the middle of the forest and then we cut and run, right? So what you do, if you think of yourself as that guide and you say to people, look, by the way, I have the map that I can help you turn around and we can get home safely and faster and in a pleasant way. Cause I've done this so many times. I know where all the danger zones are. I know where the quicksand is. I know where the bear jumps out, you know, no problem. And I can get you there pretty quickly and in time for a really nice dinner, or, you know, I've told you about it. You can figure it out on your own. You know, you may not get home in time for dinner and it's going to be really, it'd probably be a really tough road and you might get lost along the way, but you can also figure it out yourself and I'm going to go home now. So you can come with me if you want to, or you can go figure it out on yourself. And that was 
that's like, I don't know, just spoke to my brain somehow. Yeah. And I think that's what people are doing with these tools is stop leaving people without any direction on either how to do it themselves and, and tell them this, say, okay, like our tour is over now. <laughs> no? Now it's your turn. Go home on your own or come with me and, you know, then raise your hand. If they don't come with you. Okay. They'll learn next time. Maybe they want to come back again to the middle of the forest. And now that, hey, it wasn't so great last time. I think I'm going to go back with her this time because I, you know, I didn't have much fun doing it by myself. I love that. I love that. And it's part of that too, is like, it's not like a hard close. You're giving them a choice. Like, yes. And it's up to them to make the call. Yeah. People love to buy. So it's right. not a bad thing. Like, do you do this? I, I love watching QVC. <laughs> Do you ever watch those or those infomercials? I just like to watch them. And then, and, and yes, yeah, and when I'm, I'm excited to buy something, I love to buy like Black Friday is coming up, right? I, I really do love to buy things. And, and you have to, I think we have to remember that it's people love to buy, but they don't like to be sold to. And, and so it shouldn't, we're not, you know, it's not like a dirty or pushy thing if we're asking them, right? Let's talk about another really important conversion tool is the sales page. What, I mean, I'm a course, I'm a busy course creator. Let's say I created an entire course and the front page, I've got a title, an image to represent the course. What else should I say? What needs to be there on that sales page? Yeah. So I find the headline is the big thing. And if your if your page isn't working as well, the first thing I would change is the headline, like something at the top. Um, and uh, so make sure you've got that compelling headline again, in their own words. Uh, I think it needs to have details about what you're selling um, because people want, again, it's all about putting your hand up. People need to make an informed decision. So, you know, make sure you have like, this is what's included, right? So you've got your section of here's, here's actually what I'm going to get in a very clear way. And if it's alive, like make sure you've got the dates on there, make sure it's very clear. These are what the bonuses are. A lot of times people are just very confused about what you're selling. So they leave. They, they just don't know what it is that they're getting. Uh, the other thing you want to do is have that transformation on the page too. Tell me, you know, how is this going to help me? How is this going to transform whatever it is, my business, my hobby, my skill, my life, whatever it is, how is that going to, what am I going to get at the end of the day? Like, how am I going to be transformed? And um, I, I also think that you need to have, uh, you know, the social proof, like just a test. I would, I would, to me, I sprinkle them all throughout the page. I wouldn't just lump them all. To, like, I think it's awesome to have a wall of testimonials, but you also want to strategically put them in places like close to the buy button or close to places where you feel like people are wavering. Um, and then I would also finally put a section that humanizes it and gives your why, you know, people really do want to know they want to know why you're doing something also just also to satisfy the logic part of their brain. Cause uh, you know, it has to make sense for them to buy into it. But I think also people want to know who's this person behind, you know, this program and can I relate to them? You know, do I like them? Is there something a little bit interesting there? And you know, what's their bigger purpose here? And if it aligns with me, then I'm much more likely to buy this course because even if you're not teaching it live, they're they're going to be spending hours and hours with you, like you're recording. So I think that they have to buy into, you know, the personality and, uh, you know, what that person stands for as well. I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of angles. Um, like there's the emotional part of buying, the logical part, like what's in the box, and then the emotional. Do I like this person or do they resonate? Um, there's the people that read everything. There's the people that scan. The visual learners. Maybe you should have yeah. a video. 
or some images. Other people are not going to play the video and they're just going to read. So you got to get cover it there. Yeah. Have, have different variations if you can, right. Yeah. Um, to, to see which ones work better. Uh, you know, and also again, so people have the option. Cool. Uh, this is awesome. I could nerd out about marketing and sales for hours and hours, but let's, let's talk a little bit about power up strategy over at your website, powerupstrategy.com. What do you offer there? Like what is, what's, let me just ask you, since we just mentioned it on the sales page, what's your why? So my why is I really want to help people live out to their full potential, um, in terms of what they want to do. I just find that too many of us are, and I'm guilty of this too, right? We don't use ev everything that we have. So I really want to help people just to live out their purpose and to affect as many people as possible. All the entrepreneurs that I speak to and that I work with, they all want to change something. They, they want to change something in the world. And the way I see that I can help affect more change in the world is to help more entrepreneurs you know, help other people make more changes in the world. I mean, that's how, that's how we kind of help to make, I mean, it sounds sappy, right? But that's how, that's how, how we make the world better. Right. And how we can help more people. So that that's my ultimate why. And I've always wanted to do that. And I had to figure out what it is. And as I dug down deeper, it's most people just don't have enough people who know about them. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, forget about sales, right? They, they need to know you exist. They need to know what your offer is. And most people just don't have enough people have seen the offer. So then they think, oh, I'm, you know, imposter syndrome kicks in. I'm no good. What I'm selling is no good. Well, maybe it's just because only 10 people saw your, your sales page and that's not enough people. So I, I help people with lead generation and to drive traffic to their offers, right? So that they can then fill their pipeline and then that way they can, you know, obviously from there, their people are going to buy. And then again, you can affect more people and kind of carry out your purpose that way. Do you have any advice for people of like, when's the appropriate time or when does it make sense to get some help with sales and marketing? You know, I know sometimes with entrepreneurs, there's like a, you know, especially if you're pure bootstrapping, you got to kind of do it all. But at what point does, does it make sense to get some help? Yeah. So, and I'm going to assume that, you know, it, it comes from a bootstrapping startup as well, because I mean, clearly if you have the resources, get help, right. Yeah. Cause you can get there faster, but yeah, if you're bootstrapping, um, you know, I think that it makes sense to get help when you are bringing in, um, sales regularly at a certain level every month. I mean, I, I know some people say, Hey, like, wait until you make 10,000 a month or wait until you make 20,000 or you know, whatever it is, some number that they're pulling out, but everybody has different costs and everybody is, I think is growing at different rates. So I would say, number one, make sure you're having some type of steady sales coming in at some level, because I think that bringing in help is really meant at that point, again, when you're bootstrapping, is, is bringing in help. It, the point of it is to help you scale up. Um, the other thing I would look at though, is how much time you're spending in your business versus on your business. So if you're at this point where all you're doing all day is your own marketing, that would make sense to bring in somebody to help you with marketing because the opportunities that you're leaving on the table by not being the leader in your business, by not you know, being able to, you know, be the creator and be the visionary, um, you're probably leaving a lot more on the table than it would cost to hire somebody to help you with the marketing to kind of take you to the next level. 
So it's not, it's not an exact formula, which I know maybe you were looking for an exact number, but I, I think it depends on, you know, the person's situation. Um, but you need to have some stability, I think, before you bring somebody in because they're, they're just there to amplify what you've already done. Um, that said, I know some people need help testing out their stuff, but it, you know, you're going to have to invest in that, uh, you know, to have somebody help you with that. So if you can't afford it, then you'll have to bootstrap and do it on your own. That's awesome. Well, that's Leanna Ling. She's at powerupstrategy.com. What's the best way for people to connect with you and, and learn more about what you're up to? Sure. So you can go to my website, powerupstrategy.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram as the lead gen queen. So that would also be a great place to, uh, to reach out to me there too. I love that name, by the way. Like I know a good name when I hear it once, I know I'm not going to forget it. That's a great like Instagram name, the Legion hey, queen on Instagram. Good. That's Leanna Ling. Any uh, final words for the people before we sign off today? Yeah, uh, I think have fun, have fun, just jump in, test and have fun. Show your joy. It comes through and people will respond to it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Leanna, for geeking out with us today on the, on marketing and sales. You added a ton of value. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.